0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those who are watching today, and especially are we delighted to have those watching for the very first time. We want you to stay tuned to Getting to Know Your Bible. We try to emphasize the Bible Our lessons come from the Bible. we only try to teach what the Bible teaches. And we're delighted, of course, to have those that are watching today who watch every time we come on the air. Today on our telecast, we want to answer a question. At least we hope to answer a question. and, And the question is found in the Bible. And our intention today is to answer the question using the Bible. Now, the question is, What is man? What is man? How would we answer that today? How have others answered it? But more importantly, how does the Bible answer that question of what is man? Stay tuned as we discuss that topic. Now today we offer the free Bible correspondence course, and it is free. It is free. There is no cost to you. And we want to pause for just a moment so that you can learn more about the course and so that you can learn how to receive it.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible, it's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 365, Eight zero or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214
1: There are two places that I would like to read from the Old Testament by way of introducing our study today and the first place is found in Job the seventh chapter and verse 17, What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him? Now the second place we'd like to read is in Psalms the 8th chapter, beginning in verse number 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For have you made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. There are a lot of questions that are raised in the Bible. Such questions as, where art thou? Genesis 3, 9. Am I my brother's keeper? Genesis 4, 9. Shall not the judge of all of the earth do right? Genesis eighteen twenty five. Am I in the place of God? Genesis fifty nineteen. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Psalms 119, verse 9. What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Matthew sixteen twenty six. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 2 and 3. What must I do to be saved? Acts 16, verse 30. The question that is asked by Job and by the psalmist is of great importance. What is man? How would you answer the question? Well, the the atheist would say that man is a creature that, that evolved from some lower form of life. That's how the atheist, if the atheist is consistent, would have to answer the question, what is man? The the soldier would have to say that man is a fighting machine. Man has been trained to defend uh, his country or her country. Uh, against the enemy attack the scientists would have to say that man is just a composite of elements that man is nothing more than just flesh and blood to some religionist man is by nature a child of Satan to quote what one author said that man is positively inclined to evil, and therefore under just condemnation to eternal ruin, without defense or without excuse. So we have all kinds of attitudes and ideas that people have when it comes to answering the question, what is man? We want to look at man from God's viewpoint. And we want to see how God views man. Well, God views man as being a dual being. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we're told that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Man is formed out of the dust of the ground. That part of man is perishable and one day will return to the dust. As Solomon in Ecclesiastes, the twelfth chapter, put it, that man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. Or or, or ever the silver cord be loosed or the golden bowl be broken. Or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, and the wheel be broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return unto the earth as it was, and the Spirit unto God who gave it. Now that's man's terrestrial nature, his earthly nature. But man's celestial nature is seen in that after man was formed, God breathed it into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God gave man a body, and then God made him a living soul. The body serves as the house or the dwelling place of the soul. In Genesis thirty five eighteen it is said of one of the matriarchs of the Old Testament that uh, she died and her soul departed from her. When we die, there is the departure of the soul from the body. In Second Corinthians chapter five and verse one Paul said, for we know that if this earthly house of our tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So man has a dual, uh, is a dual being. He is composed of body, and he is composed of soul or spirit. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, Jesus said, fear not him, Who is able to destroy the body but hath no power over the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell. So man is a dual being. Furthermore, man is created in God's image. If you go back to the book of Genesis and you go back to the very first chapter in Genesis and you look in verses 26 and 27. God said, let us make man in our likeness. Let us make man after our image. Man was made in the image of God. And that must be a spiritual image because in John four we're told that God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship God in spirit and in truth. And a spirit does not have a body such as we have, Luke 2439. It's not composed of flesh and, and blood. You see, man is akin to God, made in the image of God. And he's been given spiritual intelligence. He's been given a divine life. And he is made to know and he is made to enjoy his Creator. In Psalms 95, in verse 6, for example, the psalmist said, Come now and let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. But man also has been made so as to be able to commune or to walk with him. In Genesis 5:24, 24, it is said of Enoch that he walk with God. And we walk with God when we walk in harmony with his divine will. Now, man has been given intellect. He has been made an intellectual being. And with that intellect, he thinks, Matthew 9 and 4. With his intellect, he reasons, Mark chapter 2 and verse 8. With his intellect, he understands, Matthew 13 and verse 15. And it is with his intellect that he believes. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10. So man who has been made in God's image has been given intellect. But man has been endowed with an attribute called emotion with which he despises. Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse 16. It is with his emotion that he desires, Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. It is with his emotion that man loves, Matthew 22 and verse 37. And it is with his emotion that man trusts, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. But man has also been given a quality called will with which he determines. 1 Corinthians 7:37. He has been given a will with which he intends. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It is with his will that he purposes to do certain things. Acts 11, verse 23. And it is with his will that man obeys. Romans 6, and verse 17. But man has also been given another faculty that is called conscience. And a man's conscience will condemn him or not condemn him. First John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. You see, man made in the image of God has been fearfully And wonderfully made, an intellectual and moral being capable of companionship with his Creator. But man not only has been made in the image of God, when we answer the question, What is man? we must answer it like this Man is a steward, a steward. A steward is merely a caretaker of that which has been entrusted into his care. He is merely a a caretaker of that which belongs to another. Fact is, everything is God's. Everything. In Psalms 24 and 1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. And man has been given things that are upon this earth for his use. He has been given things for him to have dominion over it. Genesis 1:26 and 27. Now what God wants us to do is to use the things that have been put into our trust for our benefit. Man is only the caretaker of what is in his possession. And inasmuch as we are the caretaker and not the owner, we should not put our trust in these earthly blessings, but we ought to put our trust in the God who provides the earthly blessings. That's the emphasis of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So many people today are putting all of their trust in earthly blessings. But we ought to put our trust in the one who provides the blessings. And we're merely caretakers for just a little while of the things that we have. In all probability, many of you that are watching right now have a a deed to your home. It's paid for, and your name is on that deed. But about a hundred years from now, somebody else's name, in all probability, is going to be on that deed. That land will no longer belong to you because it's yours only for a little while. And then the stewardship of that land and that home will be passed to another. Failing to recognize the principle of stewardship was the downfall of the rich farmer in the 12th chapter of Luke. And Jesus gave a parable, and he prefaced that parable by saying, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? For I have no room where to bestow my, my goods. He said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns, and I'll build greater. And there I'll bestow my fruits and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, thou'st goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. This man made some big, big mistakes in his life. And one of the mistakes he made was putting all of his confidence and trust in the things he could store up in a barn. Rather than thinking about the one who blessed him with all of that, made it possible for him to have the produce that he had and to have the barns that he had, this man made a mistake by leaving God out of his life. Friends, we're but stewards. We're but stewards of the things that we have. But in answering the question, what is man? We would answer it like this. Man is a sinner. Now God did not create man a sinner. But man became a sinner through his own volition, through his own choice, his own decision. He was placed in the Garden of Eden. And he was given a paradise on earth. And he was told not to eat of the fruit that was in the midst of the garden. And he was told that if you eat of that fruit, you will die. And the decision man made brought sin into this world. Now man was not born a sinner. He became a sinner through the exercise of his free will, through his own volition. In in Ecclesiastes, the seventh chapter, and in verse 29, it was the writer who said, God hath made man upright. But they've sought out many inventions. And God did make man upright. A little baby that is born is not born a sinner. I was in a funeral service just not too many days ago. And the man that was speaking at that service said some of the very first words out of his mouth, that man is born a sinner. And he pointed to a little baby in the audience. He said that little baby was born a sinner. God did not make man a sinner. We we become sinners by consent, by exercising our free will and choosing to do wrong. That's how man becomes a sinner. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10, the Bible says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Now, if man is born a sinner, why give a warning like that? The reason we need a warning like that is because we can choose to do wrong or not do wrong. Man is not a sinner by heredity. Some have the idea that, that sin is passed on from Adam to, 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 to the generations following him. And now we re-inherit the guilt of the sin of Adam. The Bible teaches in Ezekiel the 18th chapter and verse 20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, and neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. An an infant can inherit the fruits of sin, but not the guilt of it. Now, let let me explain that. Here's a child whose father perhaps is a drunkard. And as a result of that child's father being a drunkard, that child may inherit the fruits of that father's drunkenness. And it may have to do without food to eat, clothing to wear. It may not even have a decent home in which to live because the father has squandered the money that should have been used in rearing the child and he spent it on alcohol. Well, that that father is, is guilty of sin. Now, the infant did not inherit the guilt of his father's sin. He's not a sinner because of what his father did. But he suffers as a result of the sin of his father. And because you sin, we sin by choice. And a child is not uh, old enough to make a choice like that. The Bible nowhere teaches that children are born sinners. The the very fact that uh, uh, the nature of sin uh, teaches that we're not born that way. Because sin is described and defined in 1 John the 3rd chapter in verse 4, as being the transgression of law. In James the 4th chapter in verse 17, it is described as being the omission of law. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So, but man is a sinner. And as a sinner, man needs to be saved. But now, what is man? How would you answer that question? Man is a creature upon whom God has set his heart. And that's found in Job chapter 7 and verse 17. Man sinned, but God loved him. God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave his Son for the sins of man. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us that that he tasted of death for every man. He is a propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Man was given the gospel, the power to save him from sin. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 reads, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Man is a creature upon whom God set his heart and he gave his son. He gave the gospel that tells us what to do to be saved. You see, friend, friends, God desires man's salvation. Why, he would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 4. But in answering the question, what is man, we further observe that man is a servant. He is a servant. Turning over to the 6th chapter of Romans, beginning in the 16th verse, Paul talks about being a servant. And we might, there are two masters of whom we might be a slave. But I want to begin reading now in the 16th verse. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you're that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that Though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. A man is either a servant of sin or a servant of righteousness. Man is a being, of course, through whom the devil can work. He can work in his life, and man has his temptations. Even Christ did, but he did not sin Hebrews four fifteen. And man's happiness di- now and forever depends upon whom he serves. Jesus said no man can serve two masters Matthew six twenty four. And I would urge you to serve Jesus. Believe on him with all of your heart. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in him. Be baptized into Jesus Christ and live a faithful, dedicated, Christian life. One day heaven will be your eternal home. We are all servants of someone and I would urge you to become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the closing moments, May I urge you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.